Hello and a very festive welcome to a new episode of World Build, brought to you by World Architecture News from Alison and Nav. In today's episode, we speak to Melissa Wolford, founder and director of the Museum of Architecture, which she started in 2006 to help support architects to be more entrepreneurial and help the public better engage with architecture. Each year, she organises the Gingerbread City exhibition, which this year can be seen at a pop-up location in London's Belgravia. More than 100 top global architects, landscape architects, engineers and ecologists are presenting their gingerbread buildings, which explore the theme of nature in the city and champion sustainable design ideas and innovation. Using dough, sweets and icing, those taking part have created a mini city of eco-buildings and green infrastructure to show how making a city greener will make them cooler, cleaner and healthier places to live. All the structures will show how the challenge of climate change, from overheating, flooding and air pollution to habitat loss, can be addressed. Thank you, Melissa, for joining us today. I know this is arguably the most busiest time of the year for you, so we really appreciate it. To start off, I would just like to find out, what was your aim when you decided to set up the Gingerbread City? The aim of the Gingerbread City is to engage the public with architecture. So people who otherwise might not know what architects do or really what architecture is, it's a great introductory project to be able to educate people about what architects do and what uh, value they really bring to the cities and communities and neighborhoods that people live in. And what inspired you to set it up? Was it something that maybe you'd seen in a different country or was it just an idea that you'd had that you decided to go ahead with? Back before it started, so this is the fifth iteration of Gingerbread City, but back before it started, I had gone to a Christmas exhibition uh, with my family and I saw three gingerbread structures that were about dollhouse size uh, designed by bakers. And then just sort of had this epiphany moment where I thought, wouldn't it be incredible to have an entire city made out of gingerbread designed by architects? Like, wouldn't that just look spectacular? So that's where it all came from. Um, and then it just took a year of setting up and it, it generally takes a year to set up. So uh, the next year we had Gingerbread City and that's where it all started. So you spend your entire year thinking about Christmas and the Gingerbread City. What is it that you have to get organized and how do you go about setting it up every year? Every year we have a master planning company design the master plan. And this year it, it was Tibbled's Planning and Urban Design, who have done the last four iterations as well, but then also with some help from Madeline Kessler Architects. And so they work together to put together the master plan, which is just like any other city really, but with a few more puns uh, <laughs> included in it. And uh, in terms of the naming of the sort of streets and the plots. So, um, you know, like Candy Cane Lane or, you know, Marshmallow Muse, those type of things. It's really thorough exercise in creating a city out of gingerbread. We've got everything from residential areas to the cultural quarters, you know, including things like sort of museums and mixed use spaces as well. So there's really various plots that you would see in a real city. So, um, so we try to incorporate all those various different elements so that to give people an idea of the scope of work that architects do in designing our cities today. 
And how creative do the teams get to be? Are they designing buildings that already exist or taking inspiration for them? Or can they just be completely free with what they design? Yeah, so they use their imagination. What we don't do is recreate an entire city that sort of already exists because you have it in real life and there's sort of, it's maybe less interesting, I think, to create it in gingerbread. But what we do is we allocate the plots in terms of the programming, the type of building that it is, and then architects can have, use their imagination to come up with various different designs of what that could be, thinking about how they're going to construct that with gingerbread and sweets instead of obviously their usual building materials. And how much time do they get to bake, construct and decorate the buildings? So usually they have uh, a little over a month to do it, uh, which and sometimes it t- does take that long. Some of them are absolutely massive. But this year they had a few less weeks just because everything sort of came together a bit more last minute, just in thinking about sort of what was going to happen this winter and still thinking about what's going to happen this winter. Yeah, it's usually a few weeks and, and there's various teams who work in different ways. Some people like to go to one of the director's offices as sort of an office party and they all kind of get together and construct it all in one night. Some people bring various pieces into the office and so constructed over a period of time. So it really just depends on kind of how the architects want to take it forward. But everyone kind of has their own way of working and also enjoy the process as well. Sort of eating eating sweets along the way and pieces of gingerbread. And basically it's, it's a wonderful time of year to be able to use your creativity, end the year on a really fun note and be able to do what you want to do. So do they then deliver the building ready-made or do they transport these glorious visions in pieces and then put them together on site? So in terms of the delivery, the gingerbread structures usually come by taxi or by van. Um, and yes, they they are, some of them are absolutely huge. So they definitely, there's definitely been some stories of uh, practices asking taxi drivers to drive as slow as possible and being honked at along the way. So <laughs> I can imagine. I think it is, it's a harrowing tale, you know, when you've, when you've worked so hard, you know, and are just like you're praying that this thing uh, stays intact. This is quite a major undertaking, isn't it? How long does it take everybody to set this up? Is it is it weeks or is, or months? Some of the architects take over a month to actually construct it. They bring it in in sort of smaller pieces as they go. And then some people do it all in one night in, in terms of kind of a party and getting together. So it's, it's really kind of per practice on how they want to go about it. You can tell there are some practices that go absolutely all out. Ride Triglown this year, I mean, is absolutely incredible. It's the last one uh, along the path. And I think it's just, it's 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 an incredible one to see right before you exit the exhibition. But um, I've never seen so much gingerbread on a structure in my life. So it's just, you know, the practices work really, really hard. And we're so grateful for their support in uh, supporting the Gingerbread City, allowing us to, you know, to, to have this exhibition, because obviously without the architects, there, there would be nothing. So we're really grateful for the architects that do get involved and do spend so much time on it. And you can really see how much hard work has gone into them. When we saw them in 2019, every time we would look at something, you know, someone would notice something that another person hasn't from mini figurines to different suites that had been used in different way. It really is just so incredible. What is it that you think makes it such a well-supported event? I think it's the magic of it. I think it's something that people are familiar with, gingerbread houses. Um, again, that's part of the 
the mission of the museum is to help the public better engage with architecture. And so by using a medium such as gingerbread, of which many people are familiar with, and many people perhaps have constructed a gingerbread house in their childhood or do it with their own families, um, and then sort of know how hard it is, or um, also, you know, just enjoy putting it together, they then they can come in and see the difference that, that architects bring to these gingerbread structures and kind of the creativity, the innovation. I mean, in using things in different ways. You know, yesterday we saw um, some sushi paper being turned into trees. You know, just being able to use all the different kinds of edible ingredients in really creative ways that, you know, you you normally just see on your dinner plate, but actually now they're, now they're part of a gingerbread construction. So it's really the magic of turning these everyday materials into something spectacular and, you know, thinking about, oh, I never thought about that or, or I, oh, I realized, you know, that's what you can do with that. And it just shows how important it is to bring architects into projects um, and to really value architecture because they can just see the difference that it makes to perhaps what a regular, let's say, gingerbread um, home construction could be. And then obviously what, um, what the architects do in terms of their absolutely incredible designs. So I think it's, it's the fun, it's the magic, it's the, it's the sort of incredible ideas that come out of it and being able to sort of see a miniature city in a completely new way. How many people would you say attend the exhibition each year? So in 2019, we had over 30,000 people attending. And um, this year, we, because of COVID, we are going to decrease numbers. And so we're only going to have around 10,000 people through the door um, just to make it COVID safe. But um, we look forward to sort of continuing the path and growing. Um, hopefully next year is slightly different. It's, it's an incredible space. We have uh, five different islands of gingerbread structures. We're really excited about the different theme this year as well, being nature in the city and looking at five different habitats. Um, we've got forests, we've got pollinators and kind of forgotten urban spaces, which are things like kind of pocket parks and things like that. And then we've got an urban farming island. We've got a wetlands and a floodplain. So um, it's really fun to see how architects have responded to the brief of nature in the city and how they've incorporated the various different elements around the ideas of bringing nature into an urban environment and kind of what that entails in terms of roof gardens and uh, bee pollination stations and all different kinds of ideas around around sort of rewilding uh, the city. And are there any other events that run alongside the exhibition or is it just the gingerbread houses that people can come to see? Every year alongside the exhibition, we run a series of workshops and this year we are doing gingerbread greenhouses. So it's a really fun way to tie to the brief of nature in the city and uh, give a little uh, inspiration as to how other people can kind of bring nature into their cities and um, and their lives. So we have a little greenhouse going and people can enjoy decorating and putting that together. Do they make their own greenhouse, as it were, in gingerbread? And then can they take that away with them? Yes. So we bake all the pieces. We have a wonderful baker uh, called Delight Bakery from uh, South London, and she has created all the gingerbread for us in terms of our workshops for the last few years. And it's absolutely delicious. She's won awards. So it's actually incredible to eat. It's, it's hard it's hard to, to get the kids to uh, to actually put the structure together. But yes, absolutely. So so we, we supply all the gingerbread pieces and the packet of sweets and all the icing and everything that you need to create your gingerbread structure. 
And then um, you construct it in the workshop. And uh, we have a team of experts uh, who help put it together. And then um, you take it home with you and decide to put it on the mantle or to um, devour it because it is absolutely delicious. That sounds like a brilliant way for all the visitors to get involved and to be able to be as creative as these architects have been able to be. So in 2019, the exhibition was held at Somerset House and this year it's a pop-up event in Belgravia. How do you choose the venue? So it's really a transitory project. We've been in five different locations at the moment, we are in Belgravia on Motcom Street, and we've been at Somerset House and the V&A, and we were actually in two other shop fronts initially as well. And it's really about just exploring the space and what we can do with it. You know, what partners kind of come forward and invite us to be, you know, to be part of their neighborhood and their communities. And so that's kind of how we end up choosing the spaces. You mentioned that this year is going to be slightly different as the event obviously needs to be COVID safe. How do people book to come along? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I would suggest going to the website. I think the first two weekends are sold out, but we are going to keep an eye on it. And if we feel like we can add a few extra tickets in, if, you know, if it doesn't feel uh, crowded inside, we will, we will be adding tickets on for people to appear at the door. But I think the best thing to do to avoid disappointment is definitely to book online. And they can book by going to thegingerbreadcity.com. I've been following Progress on Instagram, which is doing a, a great job of bringing this city to life. This podcast goes out globally, so a large proportion of our listeners won't be able to come along. But it's on Instagram at the Gingerbread City, isn't it? Yes, the, yeah, the Gingerbread City. And then we'll be also covering some of that on the Museum of Architecture, which is at MOA underscore news. We are going to be photographing it as well. So everyone who can't make it in person, they'll be able to see the structures online. Um, we'll also be posting some images and some text by the architects as well. So you'll get a feel for kind of the inspiration, the stories that are behind the structures too. So all that information will be there. And do you find the buildings get more ambitious each year? Are you seeing a sort of upwards trajectory on design? Absolutely. I mean, they get taller, they get more complicated. There's different materials that are used. We've had a lot of people using isomalt this year. And I guess, are you comfortable with saying you have a favorite gingerbread building or are they all just absolutely wonderful and it's difficult to pick one out? They're definitely all wonderful. I think there's definitely a few standouts this year, which I think the public will see sort of right off the bat. Absolutely incredible structures. And it's also, it's, it's not necessarily also about being sort of big and bold. There are some that are beautifully decorated. I mean, absolutely incredible. It looks like it came out of, you know, a Tim Burton movie or, you know, something was just beautifully, like almost like a painting come to life. So it's really incredible to see just how much detail goes into these. And every time I walk around, the exhibition's up for about five or six weeks. And every time I walk around, I see something new. Do you think the architects actually compete with each other? So they definitely compete. And we do have a judging panel this year um, who are going to be judging them and deciding which are the most impressive structures. We usually do a public vote, but because of COVID, we're just not going to this year. We don't want people touching the same sort of pencils and stuff. So we're we're not going to have a public vote, but we can definitely share with the architects because people do always tell us which their favorites are. So I'm sure we'll have a few standouts from people kind of um, saying which one is their favorite on the way out. So So the Museum of Architecture is described as a pop-up charity. Can you just explain a little bit more about the work of the charity? 
Yeah. So we've been around for 15 years. So, I mean, we are a pop-up in the sense that we use different spaces kind of around the city, but I always tell people that basically being a museum of architecture, it's really interesting to occupy different architectural spaces and do things around the city. The other great thing about working in that way is that you reach different audiences, which is another one of our sort of targets. But yeah, I mean, the Museum of Architecture is a charity and we are dedicated to finding new ways for the public to engage with architecture and to encourage entrepreneurship with an architectural practice. So that is our mission. And we also run all different kinds of programming for architects as well. Um, we run a uh, director's club, which is basically a, a way for architects to come together and think about how they can run their businesses better. And we run them sort of at different levels as well. And if people want to get involved, how do they get in touch? So they can reach us at uh, www.museumofarchitecture.org and they can email me directly at melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at museumofarchitecture.org. I think it's a really, really positive experience coming along to the exhibition. Do you think it's a good way for children to learn about the problems facing the built environment? Yeah, because I think there are different elements that that they will recognize. So, you know, they'll recognize the skyscrapers, which children absolutely love. You know, I think that that's one of the sort of the first architectural words that they might learn. Um, So there's the the skyscrapers. I think that they'll be in awe of. And just, again, all the little details because it's sort of at their eye level. So they'll be able to kind of see all the little figures and the sort of various different elements in there. It's a way of introducing children to architecture. These were designed by architects. So what's an architect? Then you can sort of start that conversation. They go, oh, okay. And, you know, of course, you have a few kids kind of coming out the other side. I want to be an architect. I want to be an architect. I mean, you know, the, the, the reality is it's not always it's not always fun, you know, fun playing with gingerbread and sugar, as we know. But it's really it, it's great to be able to inspire the next generation and get them excited about what the profession can offer. Yeah. And I, I think it's a fabulous way of doing that. The Gingerbread City opens to the public on December 4. How long does it run for? It runs until the 9th of January and we'll be selling gingerbread there as well. So if you get hungry along the way, which you probably will with the amazing smell that, that and the sort of sense of gingerbread and sweet that come out. So we'll be selling gingerbread. We'll be selling gingerbread kits if you can't get a space in the workshops. And we'll also be selling our family program kits, which are from our School for Creative Thinkers, which are all about nature's architects. So those you can give to family and friends as Christmas presents or um, or take home and have an exercise and have fun over Christmas. And when the exhibition finishes, what happens to all these lovely buildings? So they get recycled. So so we bring them to um, a sort of food recycling center and it gets broken down and put into the ground for new things to grow. So we want to be as sustainable as possible for the structures. Some of them get taken back by the architecture practices, but uh, most of it does get does get recycled. So on behalf of Nav and I, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I'm really pleased that uh, you're back in action. So wish you all the best, Melissa. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We welcome your feedback on the podcast. So please aim all your comments to waneditorial at haymarket.com. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So follow, download and join us. (laughs) 